right now. We do what we have to do. Um, so I wanted to go ahead and dive right in. So the first, uh, we're, we're talking about connectedness, and we're talking about the power of human relationships. But to get to that point, I need to tell you a story first. So the first time I ever went to a movie alone, to the movie theaters by myself, was 1999. I went to see The Green Mile, which is a three-hour film. So if you're ever going to go to the movies by yourself, it needs to be a three-hour film. Um, and I loved it. I sat there captivated under Tom Hanks and the late Michael Clark Duncan for three hours. Nobody interrupted me. There was no, nobody interrupted me telling me what movies from the previews they weren't going to go see. And it was an empty theater. It was the middle of the day, so the theater was virtually empty, which made it even better. Now, I love that experience so much that over the next two years, I would go to at least a dozen more films by myself. I went and saw, as, as pathetic as it may sound, I went and saw Monsters Incorporated alone by myself at the movie theaters. I went and saw several movies, and sometimes, sometimes, I liked it so much that beforehand, I would get out of class a little bit early if I had an evening class, and I would drive over and get something to eat, and not Wendy's or Chick-fil-A or something fast food, a sit-down restaurant where I could savor the, the food and read something very nerdy, right? I know. And then I would go to the movies. And sometimes after the movie, I would drive down to Books A Million and I would just engage in another just act of nerdiness and complete geekdom. I would tell these stories to people. And inevitably, more than one person will say, you do all that alone? No response is, Yes! And it's blissful. I think my parents knew that I was an introvert before I did. So I would come home from school in the, in the afternoons. And I would bypass my parents. I would bypass my brother. I would run straight back to my bedroom and close the door. With no music, sometimes I would mute the Discovery Channel. And I would immediately begin work on my homework. And I would start working on that. Sometimes I would listen to music, but only with earphones because I didn't want anybody else to hear the music coming into my head or the noise or the spoken words coming into my head. So that may be carrying it a little too far. But we're talking about we're talking about the connection and the power of human connection. And we're talking about what that means on several different levels. So over the next over the course of five weeks, we're talking about how we all want to be unique, and we all have things and qualities that make us unique. But at the same time, we're desperate to know that we're not alone. Or companies like Pinterest have popped up where it's fascinating to see how many people are interested in the same thing you're interested in. Even if you think you're the only one, there's other people, and it helps to know that there's other people that like the kind of things that you like. We don't want to feel alone, we want to feel unique. And we're going to be talking about how our personalities shape us and how they shape our relationships and our communication and connectedness with other human beings. We're going to talk over the, over the course of the next few weeks even how friendships are so vital to our survival as a species that a lot of times in this day and age, our friendships can actually be closer relationships to us than even our own families at times. And some of us have experienced that to be true. And so today we're going to talk 
talk about personality types. And so I want to ask, by, by a show of hands, how many of you have ever taken the Myers-Briggs personality test or any other similar type of personality test? Okay, several hands that went up. Now, if you're brave enough or not shy enough to admit it, how many of you came off on the introverted part of that Myers-Briggs or personality test? Okay, and that's about what I expected, about half of you. Uh, they say one in, uh, they say about one in three people in a group of, in a group of people will be an introvert, will be introverted people. So you can thank God you're not alone in that. So I came out as an introvert too, and just for fun, just to help us to know, again, that we're not alone, I wanted to take a look at some famous introverts. So uh, if we can get that slide. So these are, and it's going to be a little difficult to see, but here are a few famous introverts that maybe you didn't know were introverted. Uh, you have Natalie Portman up there, Kanye West. I had no idea Kanye was an introvert. Uh, Rihanna, Steve Jobs, Albert Einstein, uh, John Lennon, J.K. Rowling, uh, the Dalai Lama is an uh, introvert. All these guys are introverts. So that helps kind of put it in perspective that you're not alone. And uh, because we're going to be delving into some spiritual truth of this, Let's go to our next slide, which is going to be um, biblical introverts. These are characters that are talked about in the Bible that happen to also be introverts. So we have Barnabas uh, from the New Testament. We have Jeremiah, the prophet. Uh, Adam, the story of Adam and Eve. Adam is an introverted character. And uh, then you have Saul, Solomon, and you have Noah. Now, I'm an introvert, and uh, obviously from my crazy story that probably just... Uh, alienated half of his audience. Um, and so I thought, you know, maybe I'll line up with King Solomon, you know, Solomon the Wise, Solomon the Great. But I came up as an INTJ. I'm Noah. I'm the guy that saved the animals and let everybody else drown. So uh, I don't know what that says about me. Uh, but you'll notice that Jesus isn't on there. You can go to the next slide. You notice that Jesus isn't on this, and I, I looked. You know where I found these, by the way? Pinterest. I know we talked about Pinterest last week. But I found that Jesus wasn't on there, and I started looking for other things, like was Jesus an extrovert or an introvert? You know, it's really hard to tell sometimes. And um, I think it's funny that a lot of people may maybe find it odd to put those kinds of human characteristics and emotions onto Jesus as yes, divinity, uh, as the Son of God, and of those kinds of things. And yet, I think it's interesting that the Bible paints a picture of Jesus, and it paints several different pictures of God throughout the Old and the New Testament that are viewed especially with human emotions. The human emotion of, of anger, the human emotion of wrath, the human emotion of love and compassion, uh, like a parent has for their child. We see all these different emotions that God, whether or not God actually functions that way, this is the way that we understand it through the writings of the Bible. And it relates it to us in a way that human beings can understand. We can relate to those feelings. We can relate to feelings of love. And we can relate to feelings of hurt and heartbreak. And we can relate to those feelings that are brought up to talk about God. And so this brings up the question, was Jesus an extrovert or an introvert? And we'll have a lot more to say next week when we talk about extroverts. Because I think Jesus also represents all of humanity in his existence. And that would certainly stand to reason that he would surround himself with 12 disciples, that he would surround himself with hundreds of thousands of people in a crowd, that he would have a lot of energy 
uh, to do that. And yet there are things in the Bible and in the Gospels that paint this introverted side of Jesus as well. And we're going to look at a couple of those things that do it. And first of all, I think for anyone to leave their family and a group of people and to go into the wilderness for 40 days to meditate and to pray has to have some introverted qualities. I mean, other people have, have gone into caves and meditated, and other people have, have taken time to, to really uh, just be alone because they needed to, and they were extroverted people. But for 40 days, you're going to have to have some way of recharging by yourself. So I think there's some introverted ways to look at this. And I want to look at a couple of passages from the New Testament, and both from the book of Matthew, that talk about Jesus and this little, this, this more introverted quality that happens when he gets alone. And in Matthew chapter 26, and I don't have slides for these, so if you have a Bible, feel free to, to look this up and make sure that I'm not lying or making it up. So uh, in Matthew chapter 26, beginning in verse 36, it says, Then Jesus went with them to a place... Oh, wait, wait, wait. I got ahead of myself. Matthew 4. Matthew 4. We're going to go back to 26. Hold that spot. Just kind of put your finger on that and come back to it. So in Matthew chapter 4, verse 1, it says, Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. You don't say it. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So not only does Jesus go out alone to pray, but he goes without food for 40 days. He goes without eating anything and fasting. And so this conversation that he seems to be having with the devil, with, with Satan, is about something else too. We have to look at that and we see there's something else going on here in this conversation. We see that there is an internal struggle. There's an internal struggle that when Jesus gets alone and after having gone so long without food, he has this internal struggle to overcome his hunger and to eat something temporarily or to remember why he's there. And we see that this desire to stay and to pray wins out over his fleshly desire for food. I think that's really interesting. We're going to look at another emotional, very emotional passage of Jesus' life. And this one is in the Garden of Gethsemane. So if you turn to Matthew 26, beginning with verse 36, we're going to go back to that. It says, Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane. And he said to his disciples, Sit here while I go over there and pray. And taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. Then he said to them, My soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. And going a little farther, he fell on his face and prayed, saying, My father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. And we know what happens there. This is just before Jesus is executed. But Jesus goes into the garden with a heavy heart, and he brings with him his three closest friends. So he doesn't want to be alone. He doesn't want to be lonely. He brings three friends to pray and watch with him. And then he leaves them 
And he goes further. Because to truly bear his soul, he needs to get alone. He needs to be by himself. Where nobody can see him in that space except for him. And he goes into that place. And I think we can learn something about something that happens when we get alone and in solitude, when we have that time. And introverts, I think, especially know this because we recharge alone. But it is in the quiet that God speaks. That when God speaks, it is often in the quiet silence and solitude. Uh, I had a friend who, uh, I had a friend who, a few, several years ago, he, um, and, and this friend, this friend is an introvert, just, just so you know, you track who you are, so I'm friends with a lot of introverts. Uh, but this guy, uh, he decided that he had so much noise going on in his life, he's a pastor friend of mine, and he needed to get away from it. He needed to get away from the noise. He had too many things from, from, from everything from people continually calling his cell phone to, uh, to having the noise on the television and the radio, and he just needed to block it out. So he needed to go and pray, and he figured the best way to go and pray is to go to a monastery. So he checked into a monastery with several monks, and he decided to go and pray. He figured, you know, the best thing for me is to be in an environment of people that pray. Well, he got there and realized no one was talking. And it didn't take him but just a few moments to realize he had checked into a silent monastery. These monks had pledged to go without speaking, without uttering anything, but to just be silent and listen for the voice of God. And even as an introvert, he said, the first day was the strangest experience I have ever had in my life. We'd go to lunch in a cafeteria and no one would talk. You'd go back to your room and no one would talk. You were just by yourself. But he said something began to happen over the next two to three days. He said, first, it was agony to not hear another human voice. But after about day two, he said, Things that I had been praying about suddenly began to become clearer. Things I had been struggling with were becoming clearer. I felt like I could understand and feel the presence of God that I hadn't felt in a long time. So something happens in that. I think it's, I think, I think it's, it's something that we need to understand that there is a, that for those of us that have introverted qualities, and, and we're going to be, for, for half of you who are introverts today, we're going to be talking to you. And for you extroverts, we're going to be talking about introverts. And because I want you to think about the people who are introverted in your family. I want you to think about the relationships that you have with them. I want you to think about how you relate to them and what they say and what they do and how you can interpret some of the things that people who are introverted do. And in order to do that, we need to break apart five myths about introverts. And I think any introvert in here would say yes. Thank you. These are five myths. There are more, because I researched them on Pinterest. But there are five that we need to talk about that dispel the myths of introverts. Myth number one, introverts don't like to be around people. This is absolutely 100% false. In fact, some of the greatest entertainers of the world are introverts. In fact, a lot of comedians who stand in front of people that are the life of the party Jerry Seinfeld, uh, Jim Carrey, the late Robin Williams, we're all introverts. 
There were all people that they loved to make people laugh and they loved to be in the spotlight, but then they have to break away and they have to be by themselves because that is how they recharge. Myth number two, introverts are shy. Some introverts are shy, just like some extroverts are shy. And then some introverts are very loud when they get going and you start getting them to talk and you can't get them to stop talking. I am a non-stop talker sometimes. A lot of introverts are like that. Again, it doesn't have anything to do with talkability as much as it does how you spend your free time. Myth number three. This is something I read. Introverts can be cured. Whatever that means. Does that mean that introverts become extroverted? Not a chance. Can, can we learn techniques on how to relate more to people and put ourselves out there? Absolutely. Will that make you more extroverted? Absolutely not. Myth number four. Introverts don't like to talk. Again, I'm a prime example of this, and if, if introverts don't like to talk, then I am truly messed up in my brain somewhere. So myth number five, I mean, and by the way, introverts love deep and meaningful conversation. They don't often like small talk. They're not very good at it. I'm incredibly socially awkward sometimes when it comes to being around a small group of people. I run out of lovely weather we're having outside. Yeah. I could feel this weather for days. And then you run out of stuff to talk about. So we love to engage in deep, meaningful things. You want to talk about the cosmos? Awesome. We will talk about the cosmos. Let's talk about it. But let's not, let's not stay in the small talk for very long. And myth number five, introverts don't need close friends. They can all of us agree that is 100% false. I don't know where these myths and rumors come from, but they're not true. So, a few years ago, a woman, an author named Susan Cain, she wrote a book called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Fantastic book. I wish I, I put a slide together with the, with the photo on there, but I'll put it on the website this week, so you can go on urbanchurch.tv and it will be a resource on the blog, and you can go and check it out. But it's called Quiet, and it is fantastic. She also does a TED Talk on the same subject, and it's, it's brilliant. And she says this. Introverts, in contrast, may have strong social skills and enjoy parties and business meetings, but after a while, they wish they were home in their pajamas. They prefer to devote their social energies to close friends, colleagues, and family. They listen more than they talk, think before they speak, and often feel as if they express themselves better in writing than in conversation. They tend to dislike conflict. Many have a horror of small talk, but enjoy deep discussions. Anybody find yourself in any of those categories? I find myself. So extroverts, I want to talk to you for a few minutes. And we're going to talk more about extroverts and the role that extroverts play in relationships next week. But I want to talk to you just for a minute because I want you to think about the relationships that you have with those that are quieter and more introverted in your families. Think about, think about the grandmother, the quiet grandmother that you have. That, that, that cook the most amazing meals, and they usually do it very quietly. I say this because I have a grandmother like this. She probably, according to the book, has a lot going on in her mind. In fact, the author of Stephen King says, the quietest people have the loudest minds. I find that interesting, too. And think about that friend that sometimes you try to get together with, and sometimes they'll come out, and they'll come in, and they'll hang out with you. And then sometimes they make up excuses for why they can't be there. 
And you know they're not doing anything, but they're, they're doing that. I want to tell you, don't be offended when that happens. Because sometimes you never know how much energy has been taken out of them, and they need to recharge. They need to do that. And you also need to remember that it is in the quiet moments that God may be speaking to them. You never know when God is speaking to someone through the quietness and through the solitude of just being alone. And the quiet is how they recharge. And by the way, I talked about this discipline of quietness and solitude. This is not just for introverts. In fact, many extroverts have taken time to just be silent and to take time to explore and hear, listen for the voice of God. It is a very profound spiritual practice that we don't talk a lot of, especially in more high-energy churches like this. Sometimes we don't tend to talk about that. But God speaks in a still, small voice. And so my challenge for you this week, for extroverts, I want to challenge you to, this week, take a few moments to, one, put yourself in the position of somebody who doesn't speak out a lot, somebody who tends to not show up as much to gatherings. I want you to think about that. And one of the ways that I want you to do that and to explore this idea of solitude is to take a few minutes out of the week. Maybe take five to ten minutes. You can scatter it if you want. But take some time for yourself to shut out the noise, to try to shut out the noise. And I want you to just, it'll be uncomfortable at first. And see if things that you have been thinking about and praying about suddenly start to become clear. Because that's the way that God speaks to us a lot, is through the quiet. I want to challenge you to give God that chance to speak without the noises of advertisements, without the noises of everybody trying to call your phone, Turn the phone off for a few minutes and try to give yourself some time to be silent. God may be trying to speak.